Can we turn then to that, that passage that we, uh, we read uh, a little earlier? Ephesians chapter 3. And the, the text, <clears throat> the text I, I, I want to look at is, uh, begins in verse 17. Uh, but I suppose if you wanted one verse, well, it would be verse 18. But let's, let's take it from verse 17. Uh, this prayer that, that Paul prays for the church there at Ephesus. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you may be rooted and established in love. That you may have power together with all of the saints. And grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. We considered uh, this morning one of the first points was well what, what was the what was the church like at Colossae? And I want to ask the the same question. Paul is saying to this church at Ephesus, Well I'm I'm going to pray for you. And this is what I desire in my prayer for you. So what, what was the church at Ephesus like? Well, I suppose the, the, the clearest, it has a long Christian history, but maybe the clearest uh, account that we have is, is Acts 19. And if you, if you read Acts 19, it records there the visit that Paul made to that city. But one thing that comes out, I think, of that, that account in Acts 19 is, is, is tension. One of the things that we're, we're told is, is that uh, the meeting in, in, the, in the synagogue at the start of that chapter, the word used there is, is obstinate. And Paul comes out of the synagogue, we are told, being publicly maligned and of course at the at the end of that chapter we have the the account of of the the, the citizenship of 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 Ephesus in, in in riot because the the offense that's been caused by Paul to the to the god Artemis so it seems to be a a place of, of tension. And Paul says here, doesn't he? He makes his claim that he is the preacher to the Gentiles. So that we know that there was, there was tension within this mixed community of the church. Jew and Gentile, male and female, free and slave. So it's into that context that Paul prays this prayer for them. And the prayer is, is, is like a, a stepladder. Each rung 
each petition builds upon the next, rising to the climax that we have just read. Look at the way that Paul constructs the prayer that we might be filled with the fullness of God leading that coming on from, from verse 16 strengthened through the Holy Spirit explaining then what the consequences of that strengthening by the Holy Spirit means that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith And then, in verse 19, uh, this uh, remarkable phrase, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. So what I want to look at in this passage, well, well what? What does that look like? What does, what does that mean? To know the fullness of God. And we don't have to guess. Paul tells us. Paul explains what he means. And the way he explains it is in terms of of love. He explains the deeper knowledge and experience and the indwelling of Christ entirely in terms of love. I want Christ to dwell in your heart through faith, he says, that you being rooted, we read, established, you may be more familiar with the with the term rooted and grounded in love that you may have strength to comprehend together the breadth height the length and depth to know this love that surpasses all knowledge so I want to look at three things want to look at the fact that Christ's love is a secure love. Christ's love is a secure love. But Christ's love is a corporate love. And that Christ's love is a limitless love. It is secure love, it's a corporate love, and it is a limitless love. So let's look at this at this first section. Christ's love is a secure love. You see there in verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and I pray that you may be rooted and established in love. Rooted and grounded in love. 
two images there that, that Paul uses. Rooted and established. Know what these, these pictures say. We, we had, did we, a few uh, weekends uh, towards the beginning of the spring, the end of the winter and the beginning of the spring. We had a few weekends of, of storms, of high winds. And uh, I considered that, that, that as you look out on, on, the, on, the, on the woods or the trees, you know, the fences are being blown down, but those trees are secure. Those trees that have been planted decades, and sometimes hundreds of years ago, remain secure. But why is that? It's because the, the roots go deep. The roots penetrate the earth and strengthen that tree. So that no matter what storms come along, it can stand, it can hold. And that's the, that's the concept that Paul is giving us here. Saying, be, be rooted in Christ. Be rooted in the love of God because that love is a secure love. Nothing can move it. We know that... that Trees do come down. Uh, you only have to have a, a walk through uh, through Margam Woods uh, to see some of the, the, the devastation that's happened after high winds when trees have come down. Well, what Paul is saying here is that Christ's love is a secure love. A security that cannot be affected by the storms of life. Second image he uses is established or grounded. But what's he what's he talking about here? Well he's talking about foundations. Now in my in my job I've I've, I've had to uh, build or, or oversee the, the, the building of of quite a, a number of um, of uh, homes and, 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 and dwellings uh, in this butter and elsewhere. And the one thing that you've got to do when you build anything in Neath but Talbot is that you've, you've got to have a mine survey. Because you know, because of the, the history of, of this, uh, this area, this part of Wales, it's, uh, it's littered with, with mine workings. Unfortunately, we we saw the consequences of that, didn't we? Uh, the people there in in skewing uh, in the winter uh, suffered the, the floods, where the where the waters came up from from the mine workings on which their properties were built. And the survey tells you what they think is under the ground. The survey tells you how safe it is and what you have to do to make it safe to build a dwelling on that parcel of land. Paul is saying the firmest foundation 
that you can have in your life is the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. You build on that foundation and no mind shaft, no mind workings can, can affect anything at all. You're secure. You're established. You are utterly safe in the love of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Human love isn't like that. We all know that. We've all experienced disappointments. We've all experienced situations where we, we thought we had the love and friendship of someone and it disappears. Christ's love never disappears. Calvary is proof positive of that, my friends. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. His love is a divine love, a secure love. It never runs out. It never dissolves. It never melts away. It is there day in, day out. And it is unchangeable. Again, when we uh, consider uh, our affections, they can change. Circumstances come in. We, uh, we feel, and uh, maybe we've all experienced this in the last year, one day we can, we can feel fine, and the following day, not so. We are fickle. We are changeable. Jesus' love for us is never changeable. It is dependable. It is not like the weather. It is constant and sure. Nothing can affect it. Angels, authorities, things present, things to pass, things to come, nor height, nor depth, not life, not even death. Nothing can separate us from the love of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Secondly, this love is a corporate love. This love is a corporate love. But where do I get that from? Well, look at verse 18. Well, let's take it from verse 17 to, to, to give its context and, and to give the flow of the sentence. So that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Do you see it? Together with all the saints. 
you may be thinking, because this point has come up in Jeremy's sermons and my sermons since we were free to to worship together uh, when they eased the, the lockdown regulations. You may be thinking, here he goes again. He's going to be talking about corporate worship and how important it is and how the gathering together of God's people to worship him physically is vitally important. And you'd be right. That is exactly what I'm going to say. Now it's not like uh, Jeremy or I go searching for these verses. This isn't the main point of the sermon. But I would make this one observation. But it's remarkable, isn't it? In the text that we have looked at uh, since the restrictions have been eased and how we've been considering how coming out of lockdown the things that we want to continue with or change or how God would lead us it is remarkable that this point comes up time and time again and that's because the simple answer to that is not because we're looking for these particular texts. It's not because we're coming with a, with, a, with a big stick to say, you have to be here. It's simply, my friends, because that's what the Bible says. That is what the word of God has laid down for his people. And yes, we can. Of course we can. In our closet, in our homes, meet with God personally. And we should be doing that day in, day out. We should be reading the Bible, praying, communing with the Lord our God through our Saviour. Time and time again we've seen that where we get a greater awareness and a taste and an understanding of the love of Christ and his love for us is as we gather together to worship him, to come under the word of God. There is more of the love of Christ when we are together than when we are alone. It shouldn't surprise us because that is what God has ordained. That's what this section says. Paul doesn't waste his words. He says, together with all of the saints, he's writing to the church at Ephesus. A very uh, dear uh, friend who's been in glory now for some considerable time, uh, who was a, a minister, who was a pastor in uh, Mount Pleasant Church in Mysicoma, 
uh, a man called, called Malcolm Jones um, had the privilege uh, to hear him preach on, on, a, on numerous, numerous occasions. And the one phrase uh, that I, I remember Malcolm saying time and time again as he sought to, to describe the corporate worship of the people of God as he sought to describe the Sunday delights that God has outlined for us, as he sought to describe how we could call the Sabbath a delight, he was very fond of quoting the Puritans. And the Puritans would describe the Sunday as the market day of the soul. What did they mean by that? We've, maybe in our 21st century times, we've, we've missed a little bit of that understanding. I'm of an age where I can remember uh, my parents taking me once a week to the market in Pontypridd. And all the produce would be, would be laid out. Everything would be there. On that one day, on that one day when you could go into town and you could purchase what you needed for the week. Well, that's the meaning, isn't it? The market day of the soul, the Sunday, the Sabbath day when we can meet together and we can feast with everything. Everything is sure coming under the word of God, delighting in the Lord our God. And then we can go to our own homes for the week and we can meditate on what we have heard, on what we have read. Do we do that? Do we do that, I wonder? Do we... Do we listen on a, on a Sunday and, and, and then meditate on, on that sermon, on the word of God throughout the week? Or do we forget it by Monday afternoon? This is the market day of the soul. Come under the word of God. Do you want to know more of the love of Jesus in your life? then put a priority on this. Put a premium on this. God has ordained and he has promised to meet with us and to shower his love upon us. He has given us the ordinary means of grace, the preaching of the word of God, and in our case, once a month, communion, the Lord's Supper. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as some are in the habit of doing. Let's make sure, as long as we can physically can, because there'll come a day and, and you, you know you have close loved ones, you can think of people in this church who are now in glory, who physically the end of their life couldn't make it. Would have loved to have been here. But physically, it, 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 it was impossible. 
while you can. Dear friend, while you can, come under the ordinary means of grace here. Where Christ speaks to his people, where the table of the Lord is spread, the love of Christ is secure. And we can know that security corporately together. Thirdly, Christ's love is a limitless love. Verses 18 and 19. They have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. It's been an odd year, hasn't it, to say the least. It's been a year of reflection. We've had more time, I suppose, with ourselves. We've had more time with our intimate family. Maybe we've had more time to think, to stop to pause and to consider ourselves with no distractions, really. The pause button had been pressed on our lives. And maybe you've done that. Maybe you have taken this time to, to look at yourselves, to reflect on your life, to reflect on your impact and relationships with, with others. And you may have reached the conclusion that what you are seeing in the mirror isn't that good. You may have reached the conclusion there are things that you wish when you had the time and opportunity to do things differently. You may consider that the regrets that you have, that we all have, if we're honest with ourselves, that the regrets are very deep, that the circumstances of life have been very difficult. Yes, there's been joy. Yes, and, and uh, praise God for that. There's been times of, of happiness. But all of us, I think, uh, reach a point in our lives where there are disappointments. There are things that we get to know about ourselves that uh, are disturbing. And you may think, having reached that conclusion, well, how can God love me? How can God 
have anything to do with me. Well, this verse tells us that his love, Christ's love for us, is limitless. It encompasses everything. It encompasses our sin and deals with it. It encompasses our failures. It encompasses our regrets and our inability to live godly lives. It encompasses all our experiences. And it is not just for time, it is for eternity. It's a landscape that, that, that fills every horizon that we can possibly have. There is hope for the hopeless because Christ's love is limitless to us. Imagine even now, you know, as, as we, we, we come to the word of God day by day, for no matter what it may be, five years, ten years, twenty, thirty, more, we can still see new glories in the love of Christ for us. We can never fathom its bottom, its depths. We can never even get to the edges. It is endless. It is eternal. And there's more to come. Because if we are trusting in Christ alone, if we have had our sins dealt with by Christ's love for us as he suffered on that cross. If that is true of us, if, if our sure stay is in Christ alone, then we will see new things, not just for time, but for all eternity. We will never plumb the depths. It will surpass knowledge. We will never cease to discover fresh glories and the beauties and the wonders of the love of Christ. So can I ask you, do you know this love? Do you know this love of Christ? Because you can Whatever position you were in this evening, maybe you know. You know you're not a Christian. Maybe you know that you're trusting in other things. You know that uh, uh, when you face the end of your life, uh, you're just hoping that you'll be good enough. You're hoping that uh, because you've, you've lived a decent life, because you've got family and friends, you may think that you'll be okay. But you know you won't be. You know if you look hard enough into your hearts, you know. 
You know that you haven't lived as you should, as is required by the law of God. You know that you've failed and have been failed by family and friends. Or flee, run to the love of God shown in Christ. Rest in him alone. Make sure that you are trusting in him to deal with your sin and your rebellion before God. But you may know that those things are true of you. That you have committed all to Christ. But it's still hard. It's still difficult. You may know that you are backslidden. That joy that you, you once had, that you uh, once enjoyed that, that, that relationship with Christ, you know that that's a dim and distant memory and maybe things have happened in your life that make you think, well, I'm too far away, too far away from God now. I'll tell you that the word of God says that you're not. That God can bring you home just as he did that prodigal son to a joyous welcome. You may be tired. Christian life can be tiring. can be difficult. Particularly in this day and age. Christ's love is still with you. On the long uphill journey of the Christian life, Christ's love is high enough to lead you home. The love of Christ, known this side of glory as we revel in the word of God, as we listen to the word preached, as we access the means of grace and encourage one another in the things of God, as we remind ourselves that it is limitless. No matter how far you've travelled in the Christian life, however mature you may be, there is still much much more to know of the love of God. So what this is telling us, for us to experience and to be filled to the measure of the fullness of God, is that we look to the love of God and the love shown to us in Jesus Christ. Again, as we saw this morning, he is preeminent. He is the focus, the foundation, the roots of our life. And he says to you, he says to you, if you're a, if you're a Christian, you may feel weak and guilty 
and ashamed. He says, I love you still. And the proof of that is that your sin has been covered. The proof of that is that you have a relationship with him that lasts not only now, but for all eternity. He gave himself for us. It is a matchless love. It is secure. It is a love known together. It is a corporate love. And it is a limitless love that will nourish and will satisfy your soul. Not just for now, not just for time, but for all eternity. Seek the love of God. Seek that love as it is shown in its most perfect way through our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, our living Saviour. He who we can have a relationship with, who loved us so much that he died to deal with our sin. And we know that it's dealt with because he was raised again and is even now in glory. If you're tired, if you're guilty, if you're ashamed, look to Christ. Be rooted and grounded, be rooted and established in him. And you will have full satisfaction for all of time and eternity. I wish we could sing and uh, if, if I was allowed to, to choose the tune it would be Ebenezer uh, because uh, I think that that uh, Welsh hymn tune uh, reflects the words. It, it shows the, the, the rolling ocean and the seas. So we would have sung hymn 170. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, vast, unmeasured, boundless, free. Rolling as a mighty ocean, in its fullness, over me, underneath me, all around me, is the current of thy love, leading onward, leading homeward, to my glorious rest above. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus spread his praise from shore to shore. How he loveth, ever loveth, changes never, never more. How he watches o'er his loved ones, died to call them all his own. How for them he intercedeth, watches o'er them from the throne. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, 
love of every love the best. Tis an ocean, vast of blessing. Tis a haven, sweet of rest. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. Tis a heaven of heavens to me, and it lifts me up to glory, for it lifts me up to thee. Shall we pray? Our sovereign Lord and loving Heavenly Father, what can we say then when faced with this deep, deep love of Jesus, constant, unmeasured, boundless, Lord, that you should even deign to look upon us, yet you saved us through your only begotten Son, who loves us deeply, far deeper than anything we could ever conceive, or anybody that we could conceive. Sovereign Lord, would you not make this love of Christ known to us, and known amongst us, that we may be rooted and grounded in him, knowing that it is limitless and secure. O oh Lord, may we experience that together as your church, your covenant people, the covenant community in this place who are called by your name, who are saved by the grace through our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. So continue with us then, Lord. Whatever may come this week, whether it be dismay and disappointment or anxiety, remind us, O Lord, that the love of Christ covers us and is always there for us and that he will lead us onward. He will lead us homeward, leading 